0: I could say a bunch of stuff, but y'all know damn well what we're going to be talking about for the next hour. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 53, coming to you right after a, I guess the best way to say it is, an embarrassment uh, to that team up north, losing 45-23 at home in the shoe last Saturday.
1: Davis, how you feeling? I know it can't be good. No, I feel like crap, man. Um, I mean, here we are on Tuesday night, and I've been at work the last two days, and Everyone's like, well, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean, what's wrong? Like, the entire rest of my year's been ruined. Like, people do not understand how much this rivalry means. Maybe it means more to people like me and you and older people that have been through the bad. Um, but, God, you know. Dude, Monday morning afterwards
0: is the worst. Because, you dude, know, it's, like, it's I do like, It's you. like getting
1: broken up with, man.
0: You, yeah, you live in SEC country, but for some reason where I live – here in Columbus, people commute from all over the place. So I got like Alabama fans, I got Michigan fans. We got all kind of fans. Just everybody that hates you, pretty
1: much everyone that hates you. So everyone drop comes out of the like, woodwork. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> everyone comes out of the woodwork that has ever has any dirt on you whatsoever. And then the second you lose, like, hey, remember that time in third grade when you got caught out in recess doing this with your Peter? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I do remember that, and it wasn't
0: my fault. Did you were just in third grade, you didn't know any better. All right, man, so I don't even know where to open this up. Where where, where do we start on this game, man? There was just
1: so much that happened. So let, let me at least start here. For everyone that's listening, we are an Ohio State football podcast, and we love our Buckeyes. Do not get us wrong. So take whatever you're hearing today as two humongous fans venting, and speaking some truth that maybe we need to hear ourselves and other people need to hear. Uh, take it for whatever you may, but at the end of the day, you know, I know this is going to sound like a bash Ohio State episode, but we are still supporting our team no matter what. And eventually, we will come up with some sort of positive way that we can maybe spin this, I guess. But speak for yourself. I want to fight them. Uh, it's it. Listen, it's <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. You know, it's it's honestly not going to be pretty. So. I want to start off with, um, I want to break this down before we talk about more specifics. And I want to talk about the first half to start. So this is uh, the game that me and Chad every single year watch together, barring a couple of years with scheduling conflicts. So I was up in Columbus and we were watching the game. And it was very apparent in the first half that we game plan pretty good. Um, we were moving the ball on offense. We were stuffing them on defense on the run. And what I thought was just a fluky, you know, one or two big plays, you know, I, I thought we played a pretty good first half. Um, I would at least say this. And I told Chad this several times that, you know, we've got to score. We've got to keep, you know, quit letting them hang around. And I told you, Michigan's going to find a way to score. But we've got to we've got to distance ourselves in this first half because we're playing better than they are. I mean, we out uh, we out um, yarded them by a hundred yards in the first half, and only have twenty points on over three hundred yards of offense is not very good. You know, imagine that being for a whole game. What if you have over six hundred yards of offense? Are you expecting to have forty points or like sixty?
0: You know what yeah, I mean? Sure.
1: Yeah. So I was telling him this, and it just had a pit in my stomach at that point. Like this game really shouldn't be that close. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into the second half, but kind of give me your first half where you were at offensively. I really didn't. I wasn't mad about it. I was a little
0: surprised to not see Dallin Hayden at that point. I've learned a lot more since then.
1: Um, that He's been fumbling in practice.
0: Yeah, but I'm going to get to that here in a minute. But, um, you know, we're running the ball pretty decently. We're moving the ball. You know, I'm still – my only concern is that CJ's getting a lot of time in the pocket and not, once again, not taking any kind of open field uh, that he can get, which has just come to be part of the course. Um, but other than that, like you said, I thought we missed a couple opportunities. But also, I did notice, you know, that we were planning to stop the run in the first half. And I think, man, those couple of big plays, they really hurt us, man. you You just can't. I don't care who you're playing, man. You have to be able to somewhat defend the past. There has to be a safety out there, some kind of line of defense. You know, and I just really – that's one thing that sticks out to me. You know, if we wouldn't have given up some of those big plays, you know, would it have been different? Would would it have attributed to some kind of momentum swing? But anyway, that that was my thoughts on the first half.
1: Yeah, and and I'm going to agree. And part of what we're going to be sprinkling in here with our assessment in this is I honestly believe – Truly believe and I'm not being a homer that we are still the better team. I think we played a horrible game I think the coaching was absolutely horrendous um, and I think We didn't execute in spots that we needed to and a few laps in judgment plays Resulted in this now obviously I mean you could say that for any game, but you know there there's a bunch of different areas in this game where I saw it as a swing that went the opposite way. Uh, There's one key moment that we'll talk about in the second half that really kind of changed the whole dynamic of the game uh, for the worse for us. But overall, the way that first half went, um, even though I was glad to be up at the half, I really felt like we should have been up by at least 10 or more points in that half. And I will say this.
0: I had a better feeling than you did because I looked over at you at the halftime and I was like, what's wrong with you? Know what I mean, and you said that you're like we, you know, we we didn't capitalize on things we should have, right? You know, but at that point, I didn't really feel like the game
1: was out of reach. You know what I mean? I was like, well, no, I didn't feel. either. You know I mean? But it, it, I'll be honest, my expectation coming into this game with all of the hype, all of the revenge factor, and everything that we went through from last year, I was really fully expecting to see a team that was going to be firing on all cylinders, and what we saw was the same crap we've seen since the bye week amplified even worse. See I, it. I know that's and I know that's not the team we really are. I, at least I feel that way. I know you're more in the boat of. maybe that is who we are, but I feel like we're better than what we put on the field that uh, on Saturday. Talent wise
0: we are. But you know, it's just like anything else, man. just like you know, you know the Yankees always put a quality product out on the field as far as individuals. but that doesn't mean you put a team out there. Brian Days had two first-round draft pick quarterbacks and possibly one of the greatest receiving cores in all of college football and done jack-diddly-diddly diddly
1: with it. Right. Doesn't make you a team, dude. No, I, I agree. Um, listen, th- there's a lot of factors, and we're going to go through each one of these factors individually, but let's get to the second half of this game. And so we're up twenty seventeen. 17 They get the ball to start, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, did they score right away? I'm pretty sure they scored right away. Yeah, they came right out throwing. Yeah. So, uh, we're down 24-20 and we're piddle, piddling back and forth and fast forward to end of the close to the end of the third quarter, okay? This is the swing moment. We get a stop on defense and we get the ball after the punt on our own side of the field, on like our own 48-yard line. First down. Stroud dumps off a pass to Chip Trienum, who runs like a 20-yard run, a really good run to get us in really good position. However, there's two flags on the play. One is holding, which automatically brings us back 10 yards, and the other one is after the play, G. Scott Jr., right? Is that his name? tight end, Yeah. Backup tight end. For some odd reason, five yards out of bounds against a Michigan player decides to headbutt him right in front of a referee. So, an after the play, another 15 yards, we're at first and 35 after we started with the ball on our own half. So we then proceed to out of nowhere, find some rhythm and in three consecutive plays made up 31 of those 35 yards and got back on our own side of the field with some momentum going. Okay. And it's fourth and four and you can see CJ Stroud look at coach and say, let's go. I need to go for this. We've got the momentum, you know, Ryan day talks all the time about, you know, our offense being a momentum, you know, type of offense, we had our momentum there. So go for that. And you could see, you know, CJ Stroud, you know, up, visibly upset that uh, Ryan Day decided to punt that. So I didn't realize till after the fact, a couple days later, watching tape on it, that believe it or not, Ryan Day, 99% sure, called a fake punt. And there was some sort of miscommunication that happened with the long snapper that resulted in the punt actually going through, barely getting off, by the way. But if you go back and watch it, you can see that it was supposed to be a direct snap to, I believe, one of the blockers behind, which might have been Tommy Eichenberg or somebody. I'm not sure who it was, but the whole entire left side of that line opened wide up, and there was nothing but green grass. Probably going to be a touchdown. And instead, they snap it, and even um, Jesse Mirko was completely surprised to get the ball Barely gets a punt off in time because they didn't even attempt to block the right side. So they like four guys are getting ready to block the punt, and he barely gets it off. And at the time, I remember seeing the play. And I'm like, man, we barely even got that punt off. But in hindsight, looking at that, I'm pretty sure he called a fake punt that would have went for a touchdown. That, Does that whole, change your mind? Will that Does whole, that change your mind on his call though? If you're gonna go ahead and go for it, then go for it. Don't do a fake punt to go for it. Just go ahead and go for it with your offense on the field. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Everybody that, that, else. That was a coaching mistake. That was a big time coaching mistake on Ryan day's part. For sure. Everybody else wants to give Ryan
0: day credit for that because, Oh, well he was going to go for it in the way of a fake punt. But to me, you've ruined the momentum. You've told CJ Stroud. I don't think you can do it. So I'm going to result to something else to try to get it done. That's why I feel about it. You took at that point, you lost your team. You lost
1: your offense at right there. You're exactly right, man. And I feel like everybody watching TV, everyone is at the game felt that same deflating feeling and what could have possibly turned into of course there's always these what ifs right but what could have possibly turned into a 27 24 lead late in the third quarter which would have been a dogfight the rest of the way turned quickly into a 31 to 20 deficit and from there the dam basically broke um we did drive it down and Cade Stover caught a freaking touchdown pass that last second got knocked out of his hands. I mean, we were all up standing up cheering, thinking he had got it, and sure enough, it popped out last second, which would have, you know, had we gone for two and gotten it, put us within three. Still striking distance, still capable, even though the momentum had still kind of changed. But at that point, we have to settle for a field goal, go down by eight. It's getting late in the fourth quarter. We start bringing up the dogs. Trying to stop them, and you know, the second you sell completely out for the run, and someone slips by, they're gone. Next thing you know, Michigan, 85-yard touchdown run, kick it to them. Uh, are they? We get it back. Stroud has a stupid, uh, one of his dumber um, interceptions of the year, uh, where he kind of flips it underhand to Xavier Johnson, who's not paying attention, who tips it right into a Michigan defender's arms, and then, sure enough, boom, within a play or two, gone to the house again. And that's all she wrote. I know the scoreboard looks like it was pure Michigan domination, but it still really wasn't the case. Now, the yards may show that, the score may show that, but that was a game still in the fourth quarter, and there was still potential based upon a few key plays in that second half that could have swung it the other way. All that on top of us not taking advantage of all of the yards we gained and scoring like we should have in the first half. So even though – I know everyone is – the narrative is we got blown out, that we got annihilated, mollywhopped, whatever all the words you want to throw out there, all the adjectives you want to throw out there. At the end of the day, we were not that far off. We really weren't. So that's why I want to get into a different section here where we talk more specifically about something else. But before I do that, why don't you tell me what your take on that second half was?
0: I thought everything turned with that play you talked about. Everything turned. Brian Day lost his team there. And I told you in the third quarter, about midway through the third quarter, I go, I think we're gonna lose. And that's just how I felt. The the wind was completely out of the sails, the wheels were off, nothing was going right, stupid things were happening. We weren't moving the ball. We're getting hammered on defense. Like I just I knew it. You can feel it when the tide changes like that. And I've always been able to do that at Ohio State. Like half the time I'll be like, Oh, okay, like this, this is gonna be a nail biter. But then when you get that feeling, you know what I mean? Like like I did in the third quarter, you just know you're going to lose. It's the same feeling I had watching watching last year's game where you're just like, "Man, like nothing can go right and I'm getting ready to we're getting ready to get killed." To be honest with you, dude, like as I sat there the second half, you and I both sat there and watched the second half. The only thing going through my mind, and you know what, I'm going to be in the minority here, but I'm going to come out and say it, man. I I have an issue with CJ Stroud. I'm sorry. And everyone can, can hate me for it or, or disagree with me for it. I, I don't care. There's something about that kid, and I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks. He's selfish. There's something about him that's selfish. It's like a selfish, cocky thing. I can't put my finger on it. I think that C.J. Stroud is probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks at Ohio State. And I'm saying that this is the hot take, baby. Yes, he, he's second place or whatever it is in, in touchdowns thrown. Great. Good, great, wonderful Grant. He's not a leader. He's not a leader. He's not a captain. He will only do what it takes for this team within his parameters. So if it fits in his box, mean that he can throw the ball, then he'll do it. How many times did we watch him drop back in the, in the pocket this game and just have just a whole football field of room in front of him? And he wonders why he's sitting there for so long and nobody gets open. Then he has to scramble. Then he ends up throwing it away or making a stupid pass. The reason is because football 101, if they don't have to spy your quarterback, guess what? They drop everybody back in the coverage. And now, of course, nobody's open. They have all the help they need back there. That's why people aren't getting open. He refuses to do what it takes to take this team to the next level. And I'm sorry, man. I, I'm, I'm just not on board with the pocket passer here in college football. In college football, you almost 100% need, and I'm not saying a dual threat quarterback. You need a quarterback that is at least a threat to run when necessary you just in this day and age dude that's how you win that's how urban won that's how ohio state's won for the past 20 years that's what we do and the fact that he refuses to do it man it 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 makes me feel like he's selfish he because because he can do it we've seen him do it now he's scared to do it because every time he tucks it and runs he looks like he's getting you know like he's going through a haunted house or something like that i i get it but it's what's necessary to win in today's game, and it gives this offense another element that it didn't have. And I think if he even does that even five times in the game on Saturday, it could have been a different—we we could have had more guys open. You could have had a chance to get to, to Harrison Jr. or somebody else. And I just think he just completely blew that out of the water, and I'm super disappointed. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan of C.J. Stroud. I'm sorry to say it.
1: So I, it's hard to disagree with a lot of what you said there. Um, <clears throat> I think the first interesting point, obviously the most obvious one, is C.J. Stroud's lack of scrambling. And it's not scrambling to keep his eyes downfield. It's scrambling to gain first downs, to gain us yardage. And there's several plays I went back and looked, and he like, well, he's back there forever. He had great protection all day, to be perfectly honest with you. He had great protection. Uh, I give props to the offensive line for giving him all day. But there's two problems. And the first one is that when Nome was open, he just refused to run. And he would check down. And as soon as he would check down, uh, it might gain us a yard or two. Or maybe get hit at the line. You know, check down to a running back. And it was just not productive at all. But I think the other big issue is Ryan Day's play calls. I want you to really think about this because I thought about it too. How many times can you recall CJ Stroud just throwing to a very simple open, a wide open person, even five, 10 yards downfield? Only how in many a two minute warning. And how many right. times do you feel like when Stroud is completing passes, he's fitting it in crazy ass windows that everyone's like, oh, wow, Stroud's such a good passer. Well, why is he having to fit it in a one foot window? Why it's do you true. think it's... that is? Well, uh, I don't think it's the talent of the wide receivers. I think it's the scheme and the play calling is I don't know what he's trying to prove out there, but he is making Stroud throw hero passes most of the game. So
0: it's a that will, or is
1: is is Stroud not good enough to make several reads and pick the best one? I mean, potentially, but I just I know the talent we have at wide receiver. Why are they not so wide open? Why is the passing game sometimes seem so difficult when you have potentially one of the best throwers of the football? I'm not going to say the best quarterback, best throwers of the football. I put him even second behind Dwayne Haskins in his ability to throw it. Um, but why does it look so difficult at times when you have Emeka Abuka and you have Julian Fleming, and you have Marvin Harrison jr. And even, you know, some decent running backs to in Cade Stover, why does it look so difficult sometimes? Why does it look like he's fitting it into these tight-ass windows with, like like he's almost trying to throw people open from being completely covered? And I feel like it's not the wide receivers. It's not Stroud. I feel like it's some of the play calling. And I, all right, here, here's the thing that bugs me the most is this whole time I feel like a, a lot of our offensive play calling has been really bland this year, especially the second half. Would you not agree? Yeah, I, Brian Day went nothing really crazy, exotic, nothing crazy, you know, uh, effective, just kind of like drop back and hope that our players are better than theirs and they can run around and get around someone too like much east field, to west,
0: not enough north to south.
1: That too, with the occasional shot downfield, but even that occasional shot field is never really wide open. So. Why is it that it seemed that, you know, they were holding so much back for this game, yet when this game finally happened, they were running the same damn plays they've been running for the entire second half of the year that were very ineffective? See, I never
0: thought that they were holding anything back. I think somehow people make it up in their head that we're not who we are. I've been saying that since the bye week. We have not looked good. And I don't think it's that Ryan Day is holding anything back. I've, I've said that before. I don't think he's holding anything back.
1: So I then he's limited. Are. He's limited then as a play caller, or he does not have, maybe he's some brilliant offensive mind in a <clears throat> pardon me, NFL wise. But I'm telling you
0: the here Reason we why them. we Something score so changed. many
1: points this year is because we played against bad teams. And then once we play against anyone with the pulse, we struggle. Why is I think, that? I think Ryan day, I, I
0: don't know what changed and I can't sit here and say that I can point to one thing, but I remember when Ryan Day first got the job, and he came in, I was like, "Man, this guy's out of his mind!" Like, we were making all kind of crazy plays, crazy throws, going on fourth down. And I was like, "Man, this guy's got balls the size of freaking cannons." You know what I mean? I remember
1: like, you saying that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I thought, and then literally, dude, out of nowhere. So, so here, here's my thing. That that's the question I have for him. What what has changed? Because here you are, two years later, two years removed from having balls the size of watermelons. Now you have. A quarterback who's going to go in the first round, whether I like him or not, it's, it, it's irrelevant. You have a talent back there that can throw the ball, and you have one of the best receiving cores in the country, if not in the history of Ohio State football. But yet, we struggled to move the ball for half the season. And like you said, it's play calling. It is. How many times that you and I talk about in the red zone, right on the short side of the field? I mean, when, when we can all see what the obvious play is there. You know what I mean? Roll out to the right. Push your receivers that way. Throw it if you can't throw it. Jog it into the end zone. Like yeah. simple stuff
1: like that, dude. But we don't do it anymore. Brian Day so, doesn't do it, and I don't right. know what changed. So I was gonna, I was gonna say Brian Day for the last part of it, but let's just get right into it. Um, what has changed? I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I feel like he. It, do you feel like I, it's changed? Yes, I feel like something has changed. I feel like there's some sort of. Virus with the with the offense and it's hard to explain man It's like sometimes the offense with all the talent on there can look so anemic And i'm not saying it's always play calling there is some execution issues out there I mean you you still have to hold the players accountable You know i'm sure there's a handful of times that they're not executing I mean even this is the first game all season marvin harrison jr. Dropped a pass I mean you know, no one's perfect. So, and I'll t- I'll be the first one to tell you, a lot of players did not have a good game as an individual. No, but this has been a, a systemic issue since the bye week. Before the bye week, we looked like the best team in the country by far. Now I understand we didn't play the best talent, but we still mowed through Wisconsin. Uh, we still beat a, a tough matchup against Notre Dame. Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, and even then, you saw some signs of it, but. You know, It wasn't until the second half of the season when we went through that gauntlet of Michigan State and Iowa and Penn State and then Maryland on the road, and we just did not – we've not looked like the same team. I mean, it literally was night and day different. And I understand the talent we played was better in the second half, but you can't tell me it was that much better. Uh, that, that kept us that far down. So I, I I'm still struggling to fully understand. I think it's a combination of all things we mentioned. I think it's definitely play calling issues. I think it is not executing. I know we've been dealing with injuries and continuity, um, on offense has been an issue at times. Um, so I get all that. And then even weather inclement weather and different things that have been thrown our way, but Man, you had a perfect Saturday afternoon in the Horseshoe to revent, to avenge what happened last year, and we looked awful. I'm sorry, but we looked awful for at least three-quarters of that game. And it's embarrassing for us fans that sit here and devote a lot of our time, energy, and money into this team and support them. To see that kind of product, I think that's what hurt me the most, and probably hurt a lot of the fan base the most. Is it was depressing having to face people the next day after knowing that's the product you put on the field after what happened last year, especially in your own house. How? Am I working you up?
0: (laughs) Am I getting the blood flowing a little bit? There's certain things that I just didn't appreciate. You know, uh, the the you know the of course the the fouls personal conduct fouls those drive me nuts but on top of that man you're at home most of these guys are coming back from last year you know you got your butt kicked last year you're at home in front of all your people and you commit where I mean, we have like nine penalties for
1: 100 yard. I mean it was close to 100 yards and penalties it was way too many and way and, too many and, and always in mo- the most inopportune spots that kill drives or continue to I mean do you remember the the pass interference, multiple pass interference we got called on? I mean, how many pass interference did we get, we get called against us? At least two oh. or three? Oh, and yeah. one of them in the end zone on a third down play where we could have stopped them? Because, I mean, I'm telling you, the ball wasn't even catchable that Ronnie oh, Hickman yeah. ran into. But he ran into him and he got there early, so they had to call it. So they get first and goal on the two, and we still get them to freaking third down. You know, I'm sorry. The defensive line, I've, in my opinion, played a pretty good game. Now, did they get as much pressure on the quarterback as I would have liked to see? No. But did they bat passes? Did they stuff around the first half? Did, it do, did they do their job? Yes. Um, The whole back half of our defense. Let's go and get into the defense, man. The whole back half of the defense played like garbage. Now, I know there's some weaknesses we've had back there this year. But some of the players like uh, uh, Lathan Ransom, that's really been coming on the second half of the year, he laid a freaking egg well, shit,
0: Saturday. Put- they put some of the best. They put some of the sorry, the best. That was that was that's a, that's an oversight. They put some <laughs> of the worst corners that I can remember at Ohio State. Fundamentally, I'm not saying that they they can't can't be something or that in they can't man be coach. coverage in man coverage. Man, come with on, With no dude. with no help with no help. And we got guys doing unfundamental things like we talked about when we were breaking down, turning their
1: back to turning their back to the
0: play. And then guy makes a double move. And he's 15 yards off you. By the time you
1: realize it, it's too late. Then you're not turning their head around when a ball's in the air. I've not seen a single Ohio state corner turn their head around at all this year. Like what are they teaching them? Why is that so dang hard to turn your head around and try to find a ball? I understand it's not going to happen every time, but I don't recall it happening ever. And yet, and whenever that happens, you don't get the benefit of the doubt when there's contact. You just don't. No. So, listen. Jim Knowles, and we've preached him a lot this year, but I think Jim Knowles made a mistake on Saturday. And I think it's his first big mistake, and it's a glaring one, and that he overprepared for the run and completely opened our biggest weakness on defense. And I don't know if he didn't give any credit to Michigan's passing game or if it was literally just horrible execution or a combination of both, but he exposed what we know was our biggest weakness, which is the passing defense, you know, our defensive struggles with the passing game of our opponents, especially our corners. And that's exactly who got beat the entire game for, I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I know we gave up, you know, a. 60 70 yard pass we gave up a 50 yard pass we gave an 80 yard run we yeah. gave 70 i mean we gave up what five six plays of like explosive plays i bet michigan probably didn't even have close to maybe the same amount the entire year i guess we i just gave don't it all understand. up in one game
0: i don't understand why jim knowles had to take the mentality that it has to be all or nothing in both halves because if you think about it you know, we played, I mean, I didn't look at it, but I, I saw, I know they they were in cover zero a few times, um, no safeties at all back there, completely selling out to sell the run, and then we got burned on passes. So you have to be thinking, okay, obviously he knows that we're going to try to adjust against the pass in the second half, so they're probably going to run the ball. Why do we not have some kind of a balanced defense? There are plenty of balanced defensive schemes to help combat both sides of that. I just don't understand why it was like, okay, well, we'll stop the run. Oh, they're throwing it. Oh, man, we've got to stop the throw. Now they're going to run for over 200 yards in the second half. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? And, dude, I have all the faith in Jim Knowles in the world. I really do. Cause I, people can rag him all they want, but I have seen a difference. I have seen a difference. I agree. I,
1: I don't I think he sold
0: everything he can. I, I don't think it's where it needs to be. I don't be. think I he agree.
1: has the I don't think he has the players he wants in the back end of the field.
0: Yeah, but at
1: the end of the day, that was a shit ass game plan. And that's on him. It was. It was because listen, I know you're trying to sell it to stop the run. Okay. And there's creative ways you can do that, but he sold out in the run so good that we kept him to ten yards rushing in the first half, which is great. But again, he exposed our biggest weakness. And we got burned on it. And the second we got burned on it two different times, then there's some doubt, right? You're losing players' confidence in the defensive backfield. You get burned once, okay. You know, you get burned a couple times. Then it's like, okay, now you're getting these DBs and the cornerbacks and the safeties, you know, that they're in their head. Now they're worried. Now they're panicking. Now you're no longer reacting or, uh, at, you know, acting now you're reacting and you're going to end up playing slower. Right. And he just put our weakness into a position to fail in my opinion. And I thought he, he just over committed to the run. I didn't think he had to commit that much. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, things would have gone way differently, but, you know, a lot of those plays, those big plays would not have happened had we had some safeties. Um, maybe it would have been a different story where Michigan rushed for over 100 and some yards, maybe 150 yards in the first half. But you know what? I still think even if that was the case, our defensive line, if you make them drive the ball and, ha- you know, have to go seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 plays to score, I feel like our defensive line could make some stops and maybe get some turnovers. But instead, how many drives did they have? It was one play, two plays, three plays and score. Didn't even make them work for it. So you didn't give our defensive line an opportunity to even do anything. And the times that they did, they did step up for the most part, I thought. So, I mean, let's review here. We got C.J. Stroud, who I thought threw the ball pretty decent. He did make some mistakes in the first half, which is why we didn't score as much as we should have. But Stroud will not run the ball. And Michigan dared him to run. Did not spy, did not... Uh, You know dropped a ton of people in coverage He had all day to run Had 10 15 sometimes 20 30 Yards wide open would and not let me take clarify it. That's why I don't like
0: him It's not because of anything about him personally As a person it's not anything about him That I don't think he's a good passer It's because I know Me and you know what I can't Do any of the things he can do but if they were like Chad guess what you better eat That turd so we can get this first down guess What turd disappearing. I'm in that turd. Yeah, you are. And you know Absolutely. what? He won't eat it.
1: Yeah. And that's see, what I, drives me nuts. And, and I don't know. I'm, we're not going to sit here and speculate and say this is all C.J. Stroud or this is all Ryan Day on why the running isn't happening. We're not in the locker room. We don't understand how much is C.J. Stroud literally not wanting to or not being comfortable with and how much he's is – Or how much is Ryan Day telling him he's not comfortable with him running? Maybe because of what happened to Justin Fields uh, his last year and how banged up he got in running the ball? I don't know. But at the end of the day, I cannot tell you the last time in the NFL or in college football that anyone won the Natty or was Natty contenders with a pocket passer. It's been years, okay? It's been years. Even Stetson Bennett, who won it last year, will run the damn ball. He may not be the most athletic person, but I'll tell you what, that kid has grit and heart. And that was some, that's more of, uh, you know, the identity that I want to see in a quarterback. So I'm on board with you in the fact that I'm disappointed in Stroud this year. And I think there's an element to his game that if he would have worked on and developed, we 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 could be a completely different team this year, you know. I, I saw a lot of comments online saying, "Well, if we had Bryce Young on our team, or if we had Caleb Williams on on our team on Saturday, we would win that game." And it's hard for me to dispute that, dude. It it uh, really is. Those are quarterbacks that, when the game's on the line, you feel like those quarterbacks are going to get you something one way or the other. When the game's on the line. You're having to trust more than just Stroud because he's not going to do everything himself. He's going to force other people to have to help him because but he I won't think, run. I it. think
0: it would take Bryce Young and a good offensive game plan and play calling. But yes, I, I would. It'd be hard for me to disagree with that.
1: So we've done we've done a lot of bashing here, and I'm I'll be honest. I'm not done. We haven't even talked about Ryan Day.
0: Well, okay, so we're I know
1: part. we're going to get back to that. Um. Is there anything, listen, in hindsight, I know years down the road, it's not like we'll ever get over this because all of these are always battle scars that we will continue to, you know, keep with us as fans, just like Michigan's had to keep, you know, 10 consecutive years of losing with them and to imagine what they're going through, having back-to-back wins against probably better talent. You know, these are things that we're going to keep with us, but I would still at least like, before we get to this Ryan Day conversation, because I have a pretty good feeling where this is going to go, is there anything positive that you can take from this season? Because, I mean, that we'll finish the episode after we talk about Ryan Day with that there's a chance the season may not be over yet, but up to this point, what kind of positives do you feel like you could take? from this team or from an individual or anything that kind of stands out to you if, uh, say, our season ended today?
0: Um, You know, there's a lot of individual positives that have happened this year. Uh, You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been a bright spot. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of players, offensively and defensively, um, that have had their time to shine this season. But as far as, like, moments team-wise, no, I I really don't take much positive from it. We rolled over a bunch of teams in a very depleted, very sorry ass Big Ten, um, other than a couple of teams, and we underperformed when it counted. And I'm sorry, dude. I, To me, I'm in the 90s, and you know what? Everybody out there that's listening to this, if you're still listening to it, I'm sorry, man. To me, losing to Michigan is an utter failure. Failure. Okay? It's a Failure. <laughs> It, it is. It is, dude. Yeah. It completely is. So I don't care. People are like, oh well, we beat Notre Dame. F- Notre Dame. I don't care about Notre Dame. I would have rather lose to Notre Dame and come into this game with one loss and just kick Michigan's ass up around their neck. I really don't care about Notre Dame. I don't care about any of the teams that we play close. I don't care about Northwestern because it was windy. I don't care about any of that stuff. To me, the most important thing in the season is to beat Michigan. What happens after that? I don't care. Usually, beating Michigan leads to good things. It's been that way for God. God knows how long, right?
1: For either and
0: yeah, it goes to a Rose Bowl or in this in this day and age generally, it leads to you know, a conference championship and then possibly a national championship berth. All the good stuff starts with kicking the crap out of Michigan. And twice in a row, we have failed to do that. We have come ill- prepared and it's not even that i'm upset that we lost i want people to understand that it's not that i'm saying oh well, we didn't we you know we lost to michigan sometimes michigan's going to be a better team than us that that's history that's life i get that but i feel like two years in a row this team has given up
1: they have given up it's the and way we I lost man i can't stand that it's the way we lost man listen i mean in the 90s it was embarrassing but I can't really recall much of a blowout of us getting blown completely out of the stadium, you know, of the score being 20 points plus in a loss. But you, you know, and I even, both
0: know the, the last two scores of this game,
1: I know they were Saturday, garbage. And th- because th- th- we that gave was, up. Well, we gave up and we were selling out to stop the run, almost treating every down like it was fourth and one, to completely stuff them, to try to get the ball back, to not uh, let them gain a yard. Yes, I get that. Um, I think if the game was close and it was still a single score game, those long runs wouldn't have happened. Okay. And and anyone that wants to argue with me, uh, go back and watch the film. You saw them sell out like it was a goal line stand at their, you know, at the opponent 20, like they would have not played that, that type of defense. They would have at least had some help there and whatever. But I do find it funny where I asked, you know, asked you to say some positive. You said two things. You went right back to the negative again.
0: There's not much to say.
1: No, listen, I'm not going to sit here and compliment a lot of things either. And we'll have our episode where we can wrap the whole season up because the season's not necessarily over yet, but needless to say, this loss hurt in the fashion we lost at the end of the game. The, the fact that it did, I guess, look like we kind of quit. I'm not going to say we didn't, but I don't think it was entirely quitting. I think, you know, just, Based upon the scenario, we sold out on a few things, and when that happens and you miss a tackle, it's gone. Um, but for me, I just expected, as a fan, after having to deal with all that crap for the last 365 days since last year, to finally get that opportunity, another crack at him, in of all years, a year that we are both undefeated, to lay such an egg in that game was such a disappointment. And I had really high hopes. I actually was one of the first years ever, and Chad will tell you this, every year I'm usually really nervous about the game. Uh, and usually we pull it out, and sometimes we pull it out in epic fashion. But this year is the first time I said, listen, dude, I just have this sense of confidence this year. I just feel like, you know, everything's been building towards this. You know, we're undefeated. You know, I, I just I feel like... Th- we are going to give it right back to him and just show that last year last year was a fluke. And I think what finally got proven is that the fluke might be Ryan Day. So <sighs> a- let's get right into it. Ryan Day. Before you go into Ryan
0: Day, I want to preface it by saying this. Like you said, we're being negative to show, but you got to understand something, guys. We're hurt. We're hurt. You know, it's still fresh. It's only a couple days old. Um, the postseason's unknown, whatever it will be. Um. So there's a lot still in the air. So this could be the last football game we play other than a bowl game. We, we don't know that. I will stand by Ryan Day, okay, because he's the coach. I don't get to choose that. I will say this. I never thought he should have been the coach. I've been adamant at that since day one. I don't know how you can be the coach of a one of the greatest college football programs in the country with no coaching experience at all and then tell a guy like Luke Fickle – Hey man, you don't have any head coaching experience. Now you got to go to Cincinnati. Now you got to go to Wisconsin. And then maybe if Ryan Day's on the hot seat, we might consider you now that you have experience. But yet you just give it to Ryan Day because Urban Meyer says so and he has no experience at all. Ryan Day is learning to coach football on the fly, taking his lumps as a head coach as we proceed. And you know what? He's probably going to end up being a good coach because of it. But he's
1: not there now. And he's definitely not there as a play caller. Dude, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, Ryan Day is young. For those of you that you know, I, I guess have overlooked this. I mean, you know, he, I don't know if he's ever been a head coach at like a much smaller school, but you're right. I mean, as a D one head coach, first time ever, young young coach coming in, and it's one thing to be an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. It's another thing to be the head coach at Ohio State. I mean, you are making a list, a very short list. I mean, Woody Hayes, Earl Bruce, uh, we're going to skip John Cooper because it's a terrible record, and we'll come back to that name here in a second, um, Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer. I mean, that's that that's the Mount Rushmore list of head coaches, in my opinion, okay? Of any school around the country, think of all of the consecutive head coaches that you can think of, and how many of those can you honestly say are that outstanding, you know? We've been blessed with great coaches over the course of Ohio State. Um, but Ryan Day is starting to creep into what a lot of people are calling him John Cooper 2.0. And for those of you who did not grow up in the late 80s, early 90s, and throughout the 90s, John Cooper would constantly have excellent teams, nine, ten win seasons, and would constantly lose to Michigan. Constantly. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not going to go as far to say he's 2.0, but I can understand the comparisons, and I can understand we have not lost in Columbus to Michigan in over 20 years, and that happened. And we've not lost back-to-back in over 20 years, and that happened. And Ryan Day currently has a losing record against Michigan, and he's lost more games against Michigan than the last three coaches combined, or the same number. Urban Meyer was 7-0. Luke Fickle did lose his one and um, Jim Trussell was nine and one. So that's 17 and two or what's am I saying that right? No, 16 and two. And here Ryan day is Ryan day is one and two and his one win was his first year coaching with a uh, first year quarterback, Justin Fields when we had a top five defense in the country. So, I, again, have a hard time arguing with people about that comparison. But at the same time, he is young. You said it perfectly on the spot. He is learning on the fly. This is his first real face of adversity with issues within the program, with his first real hot seat moment. And, I mean, let me ask you this, because it's all over the Internet. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. I know even me and you talked about it. But where do you feel Ryan Day, do you think he should be the coach anymore at Ohio State? I mean, and that sounds like such a bold take. But, dude, after what I saw on the field on Saturday, that dude's in over his head. He is not ready for that moment. And see, you called him the John Cooper 2.0. I didn't. I said, people are, I said, I can understand the comparison. I'm not necessarily there yet, but I get it. Well, what I'm calling him is Bob Stoops 2.0 because when I
0: look at Ryan day's tenure, here's how I look at it. Ohio state is one of the greatest recruited teams in the entire country. Every single year it's four and five star guys. It's it's cream of the crop, right? So if you line that up against what's in the Big 10, let's be totally honest here. 8 games of the year we could win based on town alone with no one standing on the sideline. Big 10. So really he's got to come good. in and yeah, he's got to come in and coach 3 or 4 games a year in the regular season. Like really coach these games. And man, you know, he's had a couple of wins, I won't lie. He has had a couple of wins, but he's had some really bad losses, man. He has, and I'm just starting to think like is he Is he Bob Stoops? Can he not handle big game pressure? Is that where we are? You know, I I really don't know. But as far as his tenure goes, I guess the best way to put it is this. I don't think it's fair to fire him now. I don't think it's fair um, because of his effort. Last year, we told him his defense was trash, and he went out and he made a hire who he thought was the best thing, and they're trying to work on the defense. I want to see how he responds. We're saying, hey, man, your play calling is trash. You know what he needs to do? He needs to fire Kevin Wilson right off the rip. He needs to go. I don't want to hear his crap. about give him the play calling. If he was good at play calling, he'd already be calling him. He's gone. Bring in an offensive coordinator. Make another move. Make it better. Come in next year. Beat the crap out of Michigan and prove that you deserve this job. That you understand this job. And, and then maybe I can let it go. I, I, I can. I am willing to give him another year. I do not judge any Buckeye fan out there that says he thinks that they that he needs to be gone this year. I can completely see that. And to be honest, it may be a waste of another year. But to me, what we have coming in next year, because we got a lot, you know, we're going to have some holes to fill next year, mainly quarterback. But I'm just saying, I don't see it being a
1: national championship year anyway
0: next year. So we might as well see what the guy's got, man.
1: Yeah, so... I'm I'm in a similar boat with you. I do think it would be unfair to fire him now. I know a lot of us are angry, and that's reactionary. Um, but you got to think, you know, no matter how mad you are, you have to have a plan in place when you fire someone on who you're going to bring in next. Sure, we can be as mad as we want and say, fire Ryan Day. Well, who the hell are you going to bring in? Because Ryan Day has already established things. I mean, when you change coaches, you affect recruits. You affect the system. You affect uh, all of the other coaches in the the locker room. You you might affect the entire team dynamic, and you might set your team back multiple years. So I understand people's aggravation with Ryan Day, and it's it's rightfully so. But I do not think it is fair to fire him just yet. Um, I do agree that he is on the hot seat now, and this losing record to Michigan and in back-to-back years and the fashion he's done it, Is unacceptable and not what we would ever expect to ever see on the field again i think he puts him another game like that he's out in my opinion and i don't think that's any question i'm not saying he can't lose to michigan ever again but if he puts on that type of performance where it ends up being a runaway blood in the fourth quarter he's out you cannot afford that type of look ever again do you not agree with that to me Now, I'm not saying he can lose to Michigan next year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if he ends up having a more prolonged career, but that's the limit. You know, he's embarrassed us twice.
0: But to me, it depends on how the teams look. Because, like you and I talked about, I felt like he lost the season after the bye week. I felt like he lost his team. I did. I felt like we were flat every game. We had issues on both sides of the ball, issues on play calling, issues with penalties, issues all over the place. I feel like he lost control of this team in the second half of the season. So if they come out and they're disciplined, they play good football. And I'm not saying they got to go out and beat everybody by a bunch of points. I'm just saying we play Ohio State football disciplined and we look decent for the whole year and we lose to Michigan by three points. OK, I'm cool with that. I'm not. I'm not Screw cool with you. losing. Let me get this. <laughs> Screw right. you.
1: I'm not OK with that. I'm not
0: cool with losing. My point is I'm cool with maybe hanging on to him. If you come out and lose this team again, I I don't care what it is. I don't care if he, I don't even care if he beats Michigan next year. If he comes out and he can't control this team and his play calling isn't any better, we are spinning our wheels in the mud. It's never going to go anywhere. So we're going to have to cut ties.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, I think for me, what would make me see that he's trying to improve the team, if he literally cares more about Ohio State than himself, he will give up the play calling duties. And I'm not saying that he is not capable. He's a great offensive coordinator, but the coordinator should be up in the box when they can see the field as a whole, when they can focus strictly on the offense. He's down on the field worrying about the offense, worrying about the defense, worrying about special teams, talking to players. He's in meetings. Dude, you're so preoccupied with a million other things. I'm never a fan of a head coach being a play caller because there's too much stuff that you're responsible for. And... I'm not saying that he can't chime in every once in a while and force a specific player or a specific call, of course he can. But being the main play caller, he needs to give up that the, those duties in my opinion. And I think if we're going to have any faith in him moving forward and if he really shows us he cares more about Ohio State and their success, he will make that change this offseason. If he does not, if Kevin Wilson sticks around and he and him continue to co-offensive coordinate, and he's basically calling all the plays on the field, then I have lost confidence in him because so I've seen the, enough. I've seen enough over the last few years to know that Ryan Day, even though he's a good play caller, he cannot do both. In my opinion, he cannot do both. So right now you're Gene Smith
0: at Ohio State. What Next year, what's the tipping point for you? What makes you decide you're pulling the trigger? What What is the tipping point?
1: Dude, ne- next year is going to be really hard because you got to think, first of all, we're going to be going on the road to Notre Dame, who's going to be better next year than they were this year. We're going to be going on the road to Michigan. Uh, we're going to be playing Penn State, who's going to be a lot better next year. They're going to be scary next year. Um, And we have a, a few other tricky games. I think we might go to Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, listen. Three losses. Do- Three losses. Does that do it for you? Dude, we do not have an easy schedule next year, and we're going to be replacing a quarterback. We're I going to be placing losses. a lot of Does
0: they, that. Do it for you,
1: man. Listen, I mean, we, we've established something over the last twenty years here at Ohio State, and it's it's not okay to not win the Big Ten. I'm sorry, I don't care who we who we are losing, uh, what the schedule looks like next year, and I, you know, I'm saying cards are against him, but we need to win the Big Ten next year.
0: Here's my question to you. If we
1: lose the Big Ten a third straight year, Ryan Day's out.
0: Do you feel like this team is going to regress next year? I hear a lot of people saying that whoever the starting quarterback is going to be, he's not on the roster yet. I don't know if that's true or not.
1: I don't know what we have in the cupboard and how good it is. Dude, I don't know. I don't know how good Kyle McCord is. I don't know how good Devin Brown is. But listen, Um, I'm trying to get
0: to a point before you get off on a tangent. I just want to get to a quick point. Are you talking
1: about transfer portal?
0: I'm talking about this. Think about since Trestle was here, how many quarterbacks have we ran through? And you know what? We always go from one to the next, one to the next. And you know what? It's never really like, yeah, you know, there's there's some there's some growing pains in it, but it's never a huge drop off. You know, we're not out here losing three, four games.
1: This with is the, the first with, time. With the exception of Luke Fickle's year. Fickle's but that was a weird year him. because— we lost Terrell Pryor and a bunch of other players due to suspensions. And they went ahead and went on the NFL. We lost a head coach. You know, Mm -hmm. I I give a pass for that year. We went six and six that year, but, but yes, you're right. We've not lost more than what? Two, three games over the last 20 years combined in any season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know,
0: it's just hard for me to, you know, everybody talked all this stuff about Ryan day, being a good offensive coordinator being a quarterback guru. If he's a quarterback guru, why, you know, why do we not have the guy? Why do we not have a definitive guy like we did before? Like, like when CJ came up, we had, we had Justin Fields and we were like, okay, next year, CJ is going to be the guy. CJ is the guy. Why is that guy not in the cupboard right now?
1: I mean, we assume it's Kyle McCord because he's the backup, but first I of mean, all, you and I both know Dan ain't Kyle McCord. We've already seen that, but, but then who is it? I, sh- I don't mean, know. He, didn't, he ain't got any other bullets in the chamber there besides Devin Brown. Well, then he better buy a new gun. That's I Probably.
0: <laughs> I just, I do, I just. Ryan Day has let me down so much, and I was not a Ryan Day fan at the beginning, and then I came on with him, and I was like, you know, I'm going to support Ryan Day. There's things that he does that I love, and there's things that he does that I hate. Um, but I, you know, I want to support him so bad, but I just, dude, I. I'm going to give it another year, but I'm telling you, I, I have to be totally honest with you. I'm
1: not – I'm about 75% sure that he's just not the guy. Um, dude, it's it, – again, it's hard to dispute anything that you're saying. Um, I feel very similarly to where you're at, and I think we kind of get masked a little bit with how nice Ryan Day is, how well he's spoken we think, how – you know, we he, he feels like he's kind of a leader and everything. But, man, if you think about the truly great coaches in college football, don't they all feel kind of villainy to you? Like they've got some negative stuff baggage with them that works in their favor. Urban did. Uh, Nick Saban does. I mean, even the quirky, pissed-off way that um, – uh, oh, God, Clemson's head coach, you know, um, Dabo. Dabo Swing. Yeah, the way Dabo does. I mean, everyone's got some sort of identity, but Ryan Day is just kind of like so even-keeled sometimes. Like, remember how excited we were during the Rutgers game where he actually got in Greg Shiano's face and, like, looked like he was threatening to kick his ass? Yeah. And I was like, finally, some personality, some fire, some negative, just anything. And it almost kind of, like, carries over. Like, think about all the quarterbacks that he – has co- that, you know, he's helped coach and look at how bland they are in regards to like, there's not always a tremendous amount of emotion uh, at press conferences. They're very professional. It's almost like he's such a good oh, man. I don't even know how to put it. He almost feels too professional for college. Is that a weird way to say that? No, it's not a weird way to
0: say it. I College is a different animal and many coaches it is, have, man. done both have said so it,
1: it's a different animal than the pros. I think I think he. I'm just starting to feel like Ryan Day's so brilliant that he's more of an NFL mind, and he just does not get the imperfections and the purity of college football, the way it's meant to be played, and the way it's played in today's game. I mean, you could be right about that. You know, let me ask you this, dude,
0: because this is a good transition here. Everybody's down this year. Obviously, we lost to Michigan. We said all this stuff on this podcast today. If Ohio State backdoors its way into the CFP. And somehow manages to meet Michigan one way or the other. And we beat them. Does that change your narrative?
1: Absolutely. And I know that sounds like it's a big coin flip. A big quick change of the hat. But you know what? Absolutely. Because. So this is still probably not going to happen. But if somehow USC loses this upcoming weekend against Utah. We've got the four spot in my opinion. If TCU loses big to Kansas State, we possibly have a position. But either way, assuming Georgia and Michigan win, that would put us in the four hole, meaning we're going to play Georgia, who won last year and has not lost a game since they've won the national title. So if Ryan Day makes it into the playoff and beats a Georgia team and then gets a rematch against... Michigan and beats him in a national title game. That is more than going to make up for that, in my opinion, because not only is that a national title, but you went through a gauntlet in the college football playoff and got revenge against the team up North when it probably mattered the most, because if I had to ask you right now, would you rather lose to Michigan for a big 10 title or lose to Michigan for a national title for a national title? What would you say? The Big Ten title, yeah, of course, obviously, right? Yeah, so well, that's going to mean that's going to mean more. Now, did it suck happening in our own house? Absolutely. Was it embarrassing? Absolutely. But I'm telling you what, if he backdoors in here and he runs the table, I think it completely changes my perception. And I know that sounds crazy, but it does. Well, let me ask you the rest. Of I think you, that's because I that's how to. improbable I think it is. I think it's that improbable. One, we even get in there. But it is possible.
0: I don't think and it's too
1: probable. Well, listen.
0: I mean, I, I hate USC's to say USC's
1: been this. playing really good lately, and I don't really see Utah beating them this time around. Because USC lost at Utah. But USC lost at Utah on a last second going for two when the game should have been tied. Now, do I think USC uh, struggles on defense? Absolutely. I think they're going to give us some points, but I just – they're, they're clicking on all cylinders cylinders right now on offense. I do not see anyone slowing them down. So I think it's going to be a score fest, and they'll probably outscore Utah by probably double digits. I don't see them losing the game. But it is Was possible. that kind of like how you had a feeling
0: going into Saturday? No, I don't pers- have a good feeling
1: about anything. <laughs> well, listen, I've learned that my feelings have let me down more time than not, so I'm looking to get on medication. Okay. <laughs> All right, let me give you the other two scenarios because I,
0: I want to get your take on this before we go. Because you've already said that if we beat uh, Michigan for a natty, have to go through Georgia and beat Michigan for a natty, that would right. change your narrative. Now, I want to ask you in, in reverse, would it, would it change your narrative if we went to the
1: natty and got destroyed by Michigan? Oh, absolutely. I think that would be done deal. I th- I Even think after beating a, Georgia? Uh-huh. I think it's risk-reward at that point. You get to the playoffs— there, the, there's a risk-reward there. Maybe it would be would be better of him if he doesn't have confidence enough in this team or better for his longevity of his job to not get to playoffs this year because if he gets to the playoffs, if he gets embarrassed against Georgia, that's already, that's already going to be bad enough. But if he gets through Georgia and then gets embarrassed by Michigan again, no coach in the history of college football has ever lost to Michigan two times in the same year. He will have that record for the rest of his life. It's already bad enough that CJ Stroud has never beat Michigan. CJ Stroud has never won a Big Ten title. Ryan Day, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm starting to get to where I'm not really counting much of that COVID season. But Ryan Day has won two Big Ten titles and he's lost two. But really, he's won one. And that was off of his very first coaching year when he brought in Justin Fields and had a lot of Urban's players still. Yeah. And dude, I' I'm getting, I'm getting a lot more on board with you in the fact that I just I'm, I'm really doubting Ryan Day is the right guy. I think he's a great person, but I feel like we need someone that under- see, and I told you this during the game, Ryan Day is not from Ohio. He's from the East Coast. Um, and I don't care how much you want to try to talk yourself into believing in this rivalry. Or how much you try to preach it. If you did not grow up around here. And live it as part of your lifestyle. It does not mean the same thing. Right. And I feel like. When we could be at our best. Is when we have someone truly. That understands. The importance of Ohio. The Midwest. That rivalry. And we had that. With um, Jim Trestle. We had that with Urban Meyer. Yeah. We don't have that with Ryan Day. He's still technically an outsider. Now, I know we've accepted him as our own over the last handful of years, but, dude, he's still an outsider. So let me ask you this,
0: because now we're at the last of my scenarios, but you already mentioned it. What if I make bad. the playoffs and get absolutely smoked by Georgia? Does that I, change the narrative?
1: Yeah, still, because then that's back-to-back games, dude. Do you think See, that he, he loses
0: his job this year if that happens?
1: No. I don't think there's anything that can happen that can make him lose his job this year unless he gets caught doing something uh, that's a violation of NCAA rules or something. Um, They're just – you know, that's – even though some people feel like that's the right move and even though – even if it is the right move, that's still way too reactionary. Um, He still has – a really good record at Ohio State. Now, given, I understand, over the span, who have we really played that has been impressive, but he still got us to a national title game. We still blew out Clemson in a playoff. We've still gotten to two playoffs with him. And, I mean, we still have uh, have a Rose Bowl win. I mean, we have multiple 10-win seasons. Like, dude, if you get fired after that, you're setting a precedent that's going to be hard to overturn that no one's ever set before. But now, but I understand it means more. It means something different at Ohio state. And the most important thing is doesn't matter how many games you win. And me and you talk about this, I would rather go zero and 11 and beat or one and 11 and beat Michigan instead of going 11 and one and lose to Michigan every year. I would take it every year. If I knew we'd never win a game, but just win that one, I would take it every year. And people think I'm full of crap and I'm not. I am not because that means more to me. Sometimes beating Michigan is more important to me than a national title.
0: Especially now. Now it is more than any time because we can't seem to do it.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 people, people that are, you know, were born in the late 1990s, early two thousands. Don't understand that because yeah. they're only used to Ohio state winning. They're not used to what it felt like. And I know what it felt like in the nineties and, yeah. I feel like we are starting to go down that same path again. I will be damned if I have to go through another 10 years of misery. I hear you, man. Well, hey,
0: dude, look, we got to wrap this thing up.
1: Um, Hell, it's like Harry Doyle. Hell, nobody's
0: listening anyways. (laughs) (laughs) But I did want to drop a little bit of knowledge on you that you didn't know. How do you know? I I do it Live on the air because you don't know. You don't know that. No, because I'm the guy that does this stuff. But. I've been told I, that about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say on the air uh, a special thank you to everyone that listens to this podcast, because as of uh, November 29th, we just passed 5,000 downloads.
1: Oh, dude, really?
0: So 5,000 awesome. downloads. And not only did we pass 5,000, we rolled past it like a steamroller. We're already at 5,300 this morning. Like, like Michigan's running game in the fourth quarter? Pretty much. Like they, straight downhill? There were sting tips on the numbers. <laughs> it was strange. Can we but, make that joke? Is it too <laughs> soon? Is it too yeah, soon? Thanks to everybody out there that listens, man, because obviously um you guys are, are out there listening and you're, you're telling people about it or people are finding us because, uh, dude, the numbers, Davis and I watched them this weekend. They just, they just keep getting higher and higher and higher, and I yeah. just keep thinking it's not going to It's going to stop and this. And I was telling Davis, I said, man, I was really hoping to have 5,000 this this, uh, season. I said, but it doesn't look like it now that it's going to be cut short. And what do I know? Because we beat it. So thanks to everybody out there for that.
1: Yeah, so as we wrap up... um on our schedule uh we're probably still going to record an episode regardless of what happens this weekend uh this weekend we will know whether or not we make the cfp or we are given either the rose bowl or maybe they might look past us take penn state and maybe we get the orange bowl we'll get a new year's six bowl and if that's the case uh, you can say sayonara to jackson smith and jiggle you can say sayonara to some of our offensive line and you can say sayonara to cj Stroud because they will most likely be sitting out just the same as what happened in the Rose Bowl last year. But if we make the playoffs, that's a different story. So I guess if you are rooting for us to make the playoffs, you need to be rooting hard for Utah this weekend. Uh, but either way, we will probably do an episode next week either to preview the CFP or to wrap our season up basically and then maybe give a little nod to what possible bowl game we have coming up. Um I know that typically in the past seasons, we have been strictly during the football schedule and kind of taken the rest of the time off. But our goal, now that we've kind of grown a little bit more, is we're going to stay a lot more regular uh, throughout the year. We have not necessarily talked or established what the plan's going to be.
0: We've been drinking
1: prune juice. We're going to stay as regular as we can. As regular, dude, as we can. (laughs) But you can guarantee that we will find a way to make our episodes a lot more consistent throughout the year, bringing in maybe some fun interviews, some fun topics, other things here or there, but we're not quite wrapping the season up yet because uh, we're still ranked number five in the CFP USC loses this weekend. We are in TSC, uh, TCU loses big. I feel like if they lose big, we do have a chance to squeeze in with that happening. I think your only guarantees are Georgia and Michigan at that point. So, hey, if, you, if you're if you free uh, Saturday night, um, watch the, the Utah-USC game, root on Utah, and see if we can somehow make it back in. Because in my opinion, it's the only way to feel some sort of uh, recovery from what happened this past Saturday. And it would be a beautiful ending to a horrible way to finish the season if we could somehow get in. And then face Michigan in the national title game and turn around and beat them. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, Chad still lost a bet this season. So be on the lookout on Facebook for a poll getting released this week. Uh, We will be voting on what Chad has to do because he is the loser. So do not think I have forgot about that, Chad. And it it did not take a poll to come to that conclusion. Okay. (laughs) That conclusion was made many years ago that I was a loser. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're not doing a poll if you're a loser. We're doing a poll that what does you as the loser have to do? Well, so it's,
0: that's pretty much my childhood, but okay. <laughs>
1: it was all of our childhood, let's be honest. There's a reason we're we're sitting down here on a, you know, our, on our podcast by ourselves. Again, we appreciate everyone listening. So uh, we won't drag us on any further. Thanks for all you guys that have supported us this season. Uh, again, we are not done yet, but uh, it's been a crazy ride this year. I mean, kind of feels like what could have been still. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. But uh, until next time, guys, so you can catch us on all major streaming services, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Check us out on our Facebook page. We post a lot of information and post our episodes on there. And we're also on Twitter. So until next time, guys. Go Bucks. OH. H.